that's enough for me. Uh, we have got Steve Blake from City Church Bristol with us yes. this morning. Hi. Uh, Hi. He is going to come and bring something thank outside very much. the Daniel series. Yes. But thank yes. you for travelling in today, Steve. Okay, great. Thank you very much. What? First, first thing. Uh, it's fantastic to meet with you guys. Uh, I was blown away by the worship. Uh, it just seemed like you guys are such a worshipping church. It was just beautiful to experience that and to be here. And uh, also from what was on the screen, I feel very hungry now. It just feels like I saw a picture of the men's breakfast, which looked incredible. And then I saw this kind of lunch thing going on. All this side of food is, um, oh, help, I need something. <laughs> <laughs> Need a piece of toast, but uh, it's <laughs> so yeah. So we're from Bristol. It's lovely to be here. I'm here with my lovely wife Claire, who is being very supportive this morning. Uh, so and I'm I'm Steve, and we have actually been involved with a church plant in the past. I can remember uh, about ten. We, we, we've been in Bristol about ten years, but before that, we were in Exeter. We were part of the team there doing a church plant, and I can remember. Um, in the early days, we were in a meeting in a building like this. And after about a quarter of an hour after the start of the service, we used to lock the door. And we did actually, uh, though at one point, get this young student girl come round and kind of break her way in to the building. She, she kind of snuck around the outside and found a, a window that she could lift up and sort of kind of got her body through this window and somehow managed to get in, which was amazing. And on another occasion, somebody, one of the leaders there, was doing a talk with one of those overhead projector things and uh, it was supposed to be a, a talk all about like, Alpha or something. It was going to be really important. And the bulb went in this, on this thing. And then in through the window through this, flew this amazing dragonfly. And of course, everybody's eyes were on this, flying around while this, while this guy was trying to talk. And one of the leader's wives absolutely had to have had hysterics and had to leave the room. So interesting things happen in church plants, but it's good to be here. So we're thinking this morning about what it means to be led by the spirit, which is a big thing in the New Testament. People say you hear people say, well, pray as the spirit leads, bro. Uh, I was really led by the Spirit. And some people even like, if somebody's got a few random thoughts, that must be led by the Spirit. Um, sometimes we get over-familiar with these words. And I'm thinking about what it actually means to be led by the Spirit and looking at three areas in, uh, in the Bible, starting with uh, Romans chapter 8. So our text today is Romans 8. 14 to 17, which is, for we are all led by the, for, sorry, for all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, that means sons and daughters, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we're children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. And I think probably even as I read that, we're beginning to feel God's spirit stir within us because it's such an amazing passage. So we're looking at three areas. So it's a little bit like a kind of a meze going back to that food picture. You know, you can pick and choose a little bit. Hopefully there's something here for everybody. Uh, I want us to meet with God today and be empowered in a fresh way. 
So, Heavenly Father, we pray that you would be with us. God, thank you that you send your Holy Spirit on your church to point us to Jesus and help us understand the Father. And we ask you, Holy Spirit, to come amongst us right now. We pray, send your power on us, Lord. Help us to understand what it means to be adopted as sons and daughters of God. Help us to know that witness of the Spirit with our spirit that we're children of God. We invite you to come now in Jesus' name. So, firstly, we're thinking about what thinking about being led by the Spirit as we share the gospel or step out for God in some way. So Acts is literally full of people being led by the Spirit. The disciples are out there preaching the gospel as Jesus commanded. So Acts is a really good place to learn how to be led by the Spirit. So we turn to the book of Acts when we're interested in this. I'm just, so I'm just going to look at a handful of examples from Acts and then we'll move on to a different thing. So in Acts 8, you've got the Spirit saying to Philip, go up to that chariot and stay near it. Philip has been doing some evangelism in that area and he's on the desert road and he sees an Ethiopian guy reading the prophet Isaiah chapter 53, which is all about the Christ dying for our sins. Philip goes up and joins this chariot and talks to the guy and explains that this is about Jesus and the Ethiopian actually comes to faith and believes and he actually says at one point look there's some water here what's to prevent me getting baptized so he actually becomes a Christian and he's an official from the palace in Ethiopia Ethiopia it's hard to say that word and the tradition is uh, that he went back home and started to spread the gospel and that was the founding of the Ethiopian church. So this was a guy, this was a point where Philip being obedient to the Holy Spirit led to a guy actually founding a church which affects a nation, building a church in a nation. So in Acts 16 we've got the apostles curiously forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia and attempting to go into Bithynia. But the, it says the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. I sometimes wonder what that's like. Is it like kind of meeting this kind of invisible barrier and you can't go that way? Or is it, it's, it's probably more of a feeling inside your heart, a feeling inside you know, actually, this path we're on isn't right. We've got to turn around and do something different. But Paul has a dream of a Macedonian guy calling out for help and they follow the, that direction and end up in Philippi and there's amazing fruitfulness in Philippi. Miracles happen, they end up in jail but get delivered from the jail. The jailer and family become Christians and we see loads happen for the Lord in that place. So it's amazing. A lot of people hear about Jesus in that area. In Acts chapter 9, uh, Paul, sorry, Jesus meets with Saul, who is in full-on persecution mode at that point. This is Saul before he's become a Christian. He's going around pulling Christians out of homes and throwing them into jail and 
He's, he's uh, you know, he's a bit like the Spanish Inquisition at that point. He's going around doing horrible things to Christians and they are in kind of a, a bit of a hiding away and a bit scared of what might happen. But he, as he's walking with his companions on the road, as he's traveling, a light comes down and he hears a voice. He hears Jesus asking him why he's persecuting him. And he's temporarily blinded in that situation. He's led into the city and God speaks to this guy called Ananias. So another kind of minor person, really, who's prepared to hear God. And he says to Ananias, go and lay hands on Saul so to, re to regain his sight. And Ananias is like, whoa, no, I've heard all about this guy. He's, he's terrible. He's been going around persecuting Christians and throwing them into jail and so on. But, but God says, go, he's my chosen instrument to reach the Gentiles. And Ananias actually obeys. And Saul, who become, later changes his name to Paul, becomes a massive influence on early Christianity. And it's like God chose a guy who had a brain who, that could understand the, all, everything that happened on the cross and all of that and explain it to people. So God wanted to use this guy. And so the point I want to bring out of this is that when we're led by the Spirit and when we're obedient to the Holy Spirit and when we follow after what God is saying, it can result in amazing fruitfulness. And I'm sure there are stories of here of how people have been led by God and things have happened. So it's really kind of, it feels a bit like reading some of these things, whitewater Christianity. It's a bit like you have to react in the moment. You have to hear God as you're going on and you have to stay awake and alive to the voice and nudges of the Holy Spirit. We might be familiar with that. So he loves to guide us in sharing the gospel and in bringing his kingdom and hearing his voice. And that can even happen, like if we're in church and it's a, there's a, somebody across the room we recognise, and you, sometimes you just have a sense, don't you, that somebody's going through something and you need to go and pray with that person. Yeah. And that is also being led by the Spirit. So I want to encourage us to get into that place where we do that. So um, I've been recently very encouraged by a book, <coughs> book by Robbie Dawkins. I don't know whether you've come across this guy. Uh, called Do What Jesus Did. He's a vineyard pastor from the States. And he talks, he talks about many stories of being led to pray, share, get pictures for people, which has, have resulted in life change for those people with them coming to salvation or being healed. Very, very encouraging. So I want to encourage us to be people, be a people in this church. And if we're going to affect Swindon like that, as we're called to do here, to be at the edge of our comfort zone with God and be prepared to do the big things that God is calling to. So let's, let's be open that. I want to encourage risky prayers. And some of this may be stuff that we have to go home and process and think about and read the passages again. But risky prayers, asking for his leading, asking God to highlight people to us, maybe at the bus stop or something, maybe where we work step out and talk to them and just see what God is doing. You don't have to step out immediately and say, I think God's telling me you need healing. You can just talk to them and say, you're on my heart. You know, God's, God's put you on my heart. I don't know, is there, is there something that we need to talk about? You know? So you just open the situation up and do that. Secondly, 
the Holy Spirit leads us to lead to, to, to live a life controlled by the Spirit. In this passage in Romans chapter 8, uh, it's all about a new life in the Spirit. It's all about living for Christ in the Spirit. And I think sometimes as Christians, we, we tend to f- kind of forget this a little bit. And sometimes people get into problems and actually it helps if we go back to this and start to look at it. So I don't know if you recognize this scenario. You know, you've given your life to the Lord. You know there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, which is pure gospel. It's fantastic, isn't it? But you're struggling with temptation. You're struggling with temptation in an area and you're sometimes tripping up and falling into that area. Um, you might struggle with like maybe web pages, maybe stuff on the TV or maybe juicy gossip going on in the, in the office. Things that you, and you're getting drawn into things that you, don't, you know aren't right for you as a Christian. Um, so um, the, you, those verses from the end of Romans chapter 7 resonate in our hearts in this situation. So it says, the moment I decide to do good, sin is there to trip me up. I truly delight in God's commands, but it's pretty obvious that not all of me joins in that delight. So if you're feeling like that today, I want to encourage you, there's a way forward for you. The good news is the gospel doesn't just stop with forgiveness, but there's power in the gospel to live new life as well. There's power in Christ from the Holy Spirit to live that new life as well. So Paul says in this whole passage and as I say good to go back and look at some of this and study it read it ourselves on our own God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do this is Romans 8 verse 3 in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh but according to the spirit for those who live according to the flesh That's like our old nature before we become Christians. And sometimes that hangs over a bit after we've become a Christian. We've still got some of those habits. Those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the spirit set their minds on the things of the spirit. The mind governed by the flesh is death. But the mind governed or led by the spirit is life and peace. Life and peace sounds good, doesn't it? Yeah, life and peace sounds really good. So he leads us to live a life that is controlled or governed by the Spirit. And it's as if if there's a new law at work in us when we become Christians and receive the Holy Spirit. Our old nature is a bit like, it's a bit like um, thinking science-wise, gravity and rocketry. You know, you no matter how hard you jump, you can no, nobody can jump more than a few feet in the air in their own like strength of their own muscles. But if you get inside one of Elon Musk's, you know, SpaceX rockets, you can take off and defy the law of gravity and um, be taken up to the space station or maybe further than that. So sometimes the f- the power the force that's there is stronger than the force of of gravity. So it's all about, Paul's saying, it's all about what we're thinking about that controls 
what happens in our lives. He says the mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. Spirit-controlled life is what he's leading us into. And it's all about getting down to the nitty-gritty of this. It's all about what we're setting our minds on. Um, it says here that the, the mind set on what the spirit desires. Uh, so it's something we take hold of. It's something that we can actually do. We can set our mind. I can think about John. I can set my mind on John. Or I can think about tea and coffee back there and I begin to feel thirsty. You know, it's kind of, you know, it, it actually kind of, what we think about leads us and starts to control what we're doing. It's about deliberate choices. Paul's talking about making a deliberate choice for the Holy Spirit rather than just drifting along with what maybe is our kind of, uh, our, you know, when we're, when we're feeling weak, being led into something, being a, a weakness for us. And it's not either here, he's not talking about willpower. It's not about kind of, I will not do that. I will not overeat. It's not kind of like something that we can do just by setting our minds to it. He's talking about being controlled by the Holy Spirit. So it's more about God, what do you want me to do in this situation? What are the choices that you have for me here? I don't know whether you've ever had that sense of the Spirit whispering no to something or yes to something he wants. Sometimes, you know, you can be on TV or something or on the computer and you, you'll see something which uh, is something you, you don't need to be looking at. And there's that sense with God of actually Look, let's move on from this. Let's, cl let's close that. Let's move on. Let's, t let's change channel. Let's actually walk away from that gossipy situation. That's not good for us. Uh, or saying, yes, you find ourselves in situations where maybe we're feeling tired and we're feeling like, oh, I can't be bothered to get to home group or connect group, whatever you call it, life group here. I can't be bothered to go to that this week. But then you, f then you sense God saying to you, actually right now you need fellowship you need to get some prayer you know you've been through this you're facing this right now you need prayer and so you hear the holy spirit speaking to you and you get into that situation where you become obedient you say yes to god so yeah sometimes it involves saying no to things and walking away um, he says in verse 13, For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. So when we say no, we're putting death to the things we shouldn't be doing. Okay, we're walking away from temptation, we're walking away from sin. The Holy Spirit enables us to leave those things behind. So we want to cultivate walking in the Spirit. I can see that they're having a good time through in there. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay, it's okay. I'll just raise my voice. We want to... It's okay. We want to cultivate... We want to cultivate walking in the Spirit. So it's about getting used to um, walking in the Spirit, setting our minds on the things of the Spirit. We're getting, in, getting into reading our Bible, maybe studying a passage, maybe getting some Bible notes, opening it up, feeding our minds on things that are good. Maybe listening to talks, maybe listening to some talks from Sunday again. You know, we've all got uh, phones that can give us podcasts and things these days. 
encouraging fellowship, you know, being meeting up with somebody in the week for, a, for one of your lovely like ladies' breakfasts or something, <laughs> with a full cafeteria of coffee and scones or something, but also just encouraging one another with what God's doing in our lives. It can be so God, so good. Pray with somebody. All these things help to set our minds on what the Spirit wants. For Paul, this was the key to freedom from sin and being changed, changed by Jesus in an ongoing way. I want to encourage us, and I think we'll have some time for prayer after this talk, get, about getting specific with God about areas where we want to see change and getting intentional about inviting the Spirit to lead us in this area so we are led into a new way of thinking. So finally, I want to think about being led to know our identity in God. And this really comes in the passage that I read out right at the start. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God, meaning sons and daughters of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we're children of God. I don't know whether you, uh, how you feel about this, but to me, this is a real biggie. This is a massive thing. Paul talks about it here in Romans, one of the most influential passages with lots of theology and good teaching and stuff in. Also in Galatians, he, he comes up with a very similar passage to this, talking about being sons of God and not falling back into slavery. So for Paul, this is key to walking with God in this new era of the Holy Spirit, which Jesus has poured out on his church. So this is a biggie for us. It's all about God's relationship with us, becoming part of God's family, um, but also about our identity as Christians. We are children of God. We are sons and daughters of God. And it's so important to take this on board because some people go through their Christian life feeling a bit like they're insignificant, feeling that God doesn't really love them, feeling, uh, not feeling affirmed by God. So I've been really helped, we've been really helped by reading Phil Wilthew's book, Developing Prophetic Culture. I don't know whether anybody else has looked at that, but there's a chapter in there, I think it's chapter two, where he talks about the ultimate goal of the cross. And he talks about, obviously, the cross being there, the place where we get forgiven for our sin. We get redeemed, our sin gets dealt with, we get reconciled with God. But he points out that that is for something. That's so we can have this amazing relationship with the Father. And sometimes we don't add in that second bit. We forget that it's about relationship, it's about sonship. So... It's about our identity as sons and daughters of God and having God as our Father. It's something, too, that's experiential. Paul talks about uh, the spirit of adoption bearing witness. Sorry, the spirit himself bearing witness with our spirit that we're children of God. So it's something that we experience. We know something when we are experiencing the Father in this way. We know 
uh, we know that we're children of God. Um, and as Paul says, there's this cry, Abba, Father, back to God, when we're in that place, when the Holy Spirit is doing this in our hearts. In Romans 5, similar passage, it talks about knowing his love shed abroad in our hearts by the Spirit he's given us. I know that's like the AV or something, but it just works. <laughs> that's, is there's that knowledge that we belong to God now by his Spirit at work in us. For Paul, this whole thing about sonship was about relationship, both about relationship and the key to living that new life in the Spirit. It's like the life and ministry flowed out of the relationship. So you have the relationship with God first, then he starts to show you things, and life and ministry and sharing the gospel, all these things flows out of this amazing relationship with the Father. So we're welcomed in to intimacy of God's family, the implications, of course, are, yes, it's about relationship with him. We're no longer distant. There's a sense of freedom. There's sonship. There's sonship and daughtership. There's approval by God. There's authority as children of God. But, and this is in capital letters in my notes, <laughs> but Paul says to avoid falling back into fear. Paul is saying that here. So that must be something that he has seen. He's seen that happen. He wants Christians to stay in their place of strength in God. He talks about avoid falling back into fear. He talks about the spirit of slavery. And some people call that like an orphan spirit. There's a sense in which you have known God as your father, but you kind of withdraw that, withdraw from that. And it's like you're an orphan then at that point. You, you, you're a Christian, but you have kind of somehow allowed things to come between you and the Father. In Galatians, which we, is a fantastic book, we see it as, you know, as teachers all about legalism. We see it as kind of like these people were into do, doing good works and trying to earn God's favour by doing those good works instead of believing with faith. But also, if you look at it, there's quite a lot about slavery and freedom in that book as well. It's about, it's about relationship rather than performance, if you read that book. And I want to encourage us to do that as well. So the son and daughter knows love and acceptance and is happy to see others succeed and is secure. The slave or orphan person, person in that position, can feel insecure fearful, jealous, feeling the need to earn the Father's love rather than receive it, and being familiar with rejection. And sometimes that comes from our past experiences of life. Sometimes it comes because of things that have happened to us. And we need to confront that situation. That's not right. We want to be in a place where we know our identity in God and know that we're his children. So we confront that whole rejection and insecurity thing. We want to see people come into acceptance and love and inclusion. So God wants us to know that just three things here. We are accepted in Christ. We are called 
loved and chosen by God with the apple of his eye. He lavishes his love on us. If you read Ephesians, it's full of language like that. If you read Ephesians chapter 1, it's all about how much God loves us in Christ. Uh, there's bits where it talks about God lavishing his grace on us. Words like that um, belong to uh, an amazing Father who wants to love us and include us. We're accepted in Christ. There's no longer a sense of fighting for, no longer a sense of rejection or fighting for approval. Maybe even kind of in church, kind of jostling for approval out of our brothers and sisters kind of thing, wanting to seem like the best person there. There's, no, there's none of that. I don't know about you, but sometimes it feels like people who feel very rejected reject others and hurt them. If we're feeling like that, it can make us cautious and fearful. And Phil Wilthew identifies with that in his book. Um, but if we recognise that we're accepted by God and loved by God and allow the Holy Spirit to work in us, it deals with that sense of rejection. If we feel tempted to be in that place again, come back to the Holy Spirit and ask him just to renew that sense within us. So, so secondly, we're affirmed by God. We're called, chosen and loved and chosen. Sorry, I've already said that, haven't I? We're the apple of his eye. People who've never had affirmation sometimes had, have difficulty in receiving that, difficulty in really feeling that God loves them. But I want to encourage us today that actually as Christians, we're in that place where we can know and feel and uh, experience that affirmation. Paul's letters are full of the truth of God's affirmation for us. He usually starts off his epistles with something about Jesus, something about God, but also about what he's done for us. And there's always loads of affirmation in there. So we can receive it from God and give it to others. And if we can affirm others as well, it can be an amazing encouragement for his people. So the third thing is access to God. We're not excluded or left out. I don't know about you, but sometimes I can remember like the, if teams were being chosen at school and they would go, I'll have him and somebody at the other, the other lead, you know, the other foot lead footballer would say, oh, I'll have that guy. And then you ended up, you end up with being like one of three, like on the bench right at the end who don't get, cho don't get chosen early. And you don't feel terribly kind of included by that experience. So it can, it can feel like that if you're not very sporty. So not excluded or left out, access to God. I like, uh, Phil Wilthy talks about this term called fridge rights, uh, which Claire, <laughs> Claire loves as well. So he goes, sometimes goes back to his parents' house and he feels he has the right to rummage in the fridge for whatever he feels like eating at that point, to look for something great to eat. He'll look for a cold beer and a slice of pizza or something like that, maybe cold pizza, which is actually amazing. Um, but he will look for something that he really feels like. And, and you know, he knows his parents are really happy with him doing that. And it's like us bringing the details of our lives to the Father and handing those things over to him and trusting him. So as sons and daughters, we have full access to our father. There's not a moment in our lives where he kind of turns his back away from us. 
turns, turns away from us, so we just see his back. It's our identity in God as sons and daughters. So, that, so then in closing, I'm asking, are we experiencing sonship as Christians? Are we experiencing that relationship as Christians? Or have we slipped back into that slavery and orphan spirit thing? Great thing is, God can change that now. If we recognise that's going on, we can say, oh, look, sorry, Lord, please forgive me. I want to know your fathering in my life. I want to know your love in my life. God can change that as we believe what he says about us. So in a moment, we're going to respond. I'd like us to maybe get into twos and threes together here. Uh, and if you want to be prayed for about anything specific, you can come forward and somebody will be there to pray for you. So just to, to recap on what I've talked about, we can be led by the Spirit as we share the gospel or as we step out for God in a situation. He leads us to live a life controlled by the Spirit, allowing him to control what's going on in our minds. And thirdly, he leads us to know our identity in God as sons and daughters of God. So I'm just going to pray, then perhaps we can get into things. And there may be a couple of words of knowledge and things going on as well. So Heavenly Father, we just want to praise you for your goodness to us. Thank you that in Christ we are loved, we are accepted, we're included, we're affirmed. We want to allow your Holy Spirit to minister that to us. We say, Holy Spirit, please come right now. We pray, come Lord Jesus, send your Spirit, send your power on us. Pour out that sense of adoption, as a son or daughter of God, because we belong to you. We're precious to you. We thank you, Lord, that you love everybody in this room, everybody in this room, even if they actually want to try and distance themselves from you. Thank you that you love us, Lord God. Amen. Um, yeah, so I did just have a couple of words here. Um, one was, I felt that, I don't know whether you remember vinyl. Maybe, maybe I'm, Paul might remember. <laughs> the, older, the older people here might remember vinyl, how sometimes, you know, you put, your, put the needle down on the record and there'll be points where it sort of jumps a track or keeps jumping back and it'll be like stuck in a groove. You don't get that with Spotify, <laughs> thankfully. Thankfully, you don't get that with Spotify. Um, and things keep repeating, or it could be like Groundhog Day, you know, the film where it's like the day keeps repeating, you feel like you're stuck in a loop. And it's just a sense that somebody, some people here might feel that things keep repeating, a habit maybe keeps repeating, uh, and God wants to break you out of that. God wants to set you free from that so things don't just keep repeating time and time again. He wants to bring freedom and peace and walking with Jesus. And uh, secondly, I felt as though somebody might feel a sense of striving in God. I felt as though he wanted to give rest and peace in that situation. I have no idea who this might be, um, but I just sensed that might be something.
I don't know whether Claire you had. Um, I just felt, and when Steve was saying the thing about fridge rights, I felt that's something that's really important for this this church to know that you might feel like you're quite small and insignificant, and so you know the numbers seem to be taking a while to grow. And God is just saying to you, you know, you have fridge rights. You know, I have given you everything you need. I have given you my power. I have given you my equipping. You're not small. You're not insignificant. I've called you here. I've placed you here. And you need to just realise that everything I have is yours and to walk in the strength of that, you know, not to sort of go into a situation thinking, well, I've really got nothing. God has given you everything that yeah. he has. It's at your disposal. You've got fridge rights. That's great. That's great. Yeah. Thank you, Claire. Yeah, so I think, it, yeah, that's a word for the whole church. That's really important. Yeah. So shall we just, uh, shall we do that? Shall we move around, maybe pray with different people, uh, maybe break into ones and twos? Or if you really feel you want to do business with God, maybe, maybe it's about you sitting on your own, actually, and just listening to God, hearing what he's saying. But I would encourage us to do something now.